subscribe and crown him Lord of all. To him all majesty ascribe and crown him Lord of all. Oh, that with yonder sacred throne we at his feet may fall, we'll join the everlasting song and crown him Lord of all. We'll join the everlasting song and crown him Lord of all. You may be seated. Good morning to you all. We're so glad to see you here this morning. There's a passage of scripture in Luke 15 that I was dwelling on this morning. And if you recall, Luke 15 contains the parable of the prodigal son. And I was just reflecting on the joy and the grace it is to consider how we were saved just like the prodigal son. How we rebelled against the father, squandered our life away in sin, And when we came to the realization that we had sinned and that we needed to repent, we had thought in our heads, well, maybe like if I go back to the Father, maybe he will readmit me into the family, but I I doubt that I'll be shown a lot of grace. And as as the parable goes on, the prodigal son returns home, and before he even actually gets to the home, the father sees him in the distance, and the father runs to him and embraces him. And the father says this as he celebrates and as the son is just flabbergasted. The father says, for this, this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. There is more joy in heaven when sinners repent and turn to the Lord. And it is to God's glory when he shows us that grace and mercy. But that's why we're celebrating just along with heaven, for the gracious miracle that God has worked in our lives. So we're glad you're here to do that celebration with us. And we would just encourage you at this time, if you would, to pull out your worship folder. Inside your worship folder, you'll find all sorts of information about things going on in the church. But you'll also find a little checking card. And we just ask that you would uh, help us out by filling this checking card real quickly. You can do it on paper, or you can do it over the church app. And this is just helpful, lets us know that you're here. You can also write down any prayer requests you have um, or praises you'd like to share with us um, on the back of the card. At the end of the service, there are two white tables at either entrance, and you can just slide this piece of paper into that table there. If you are visiting with us, if this is your first time or if this is just a, one of the a couple times that you've been visiting with us recently, we are really glad that you're here and we want to extend a special welcome to you. If you have any questions about the church, feel free to ask the people around you, but we also have a welcome desk just outside these double doors, and there you will find people who would love to meet you, uh, answer questions you have, give you some more information about the church, and give you a gift just to say thank you for being here and to show you how much we love you. Um, We have, real quick, a video to show you if you direct your attention to the screens. Let the little children come to me. Don't forbid them for such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, 
Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. Operation Christmas Child is a way for the little children to come to Almighty God. That is the best gift of all, is becoming part of God's family. The mission of Operation Christmas Child never changes. Children are coming to Jesus, children are being discipled, and children are taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. These children are brave and bold, not afraid, and they're not ashamed of the gospel. They're trained and equipped to go out and share their faith with others. And many times in areas where it's an unreached people group, the Bible tells us the time is now. Let them come, Jesus said, let them come. And they're coming. They're coming by the millions. Every single box represents the life of a young boy, a young girl, who will be touched by the gospel. Jesus has come to give them light, that they do not need to be in the darkness, that they have hope, that they have joy. And it is our prayer that this glorious light of the gospel will flow among the nations and will fill our land with the knowledge of the glory of God. The Lord God Almighty desires to fulfill His redemptive plan for mankind in and through each of us and all of us. All of us are children of God. We share this incredible opportunity to take the gospel truly to the ends of the earth by gathering children to Jesus. I believe this year for Operation Christmas Child, this may be the most important year, most important opportunity that we'll ever have to reach children in the name of Jesus Christ. Pray that God will use these shoebox gifts to make a difference in the children's life for eternity. If you guys were like me, but in first service when I watched that and I saw that super cool swing of that girl was on the, on the my eyes got really big. I'm like, what is that? Uh, I don't know if I'd be brave enough to <laughs> write a swing like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what a sweet, sweet ministry to uh, embark upon that we do every year, Operation Christmas Child, and uh, just a really neat way to partner with Samaritan's Purse to get the gospel in the hands of children all over the world. So inside your worship folder, you should have a little um, pamphlet about the ministry. I encourage you to look at that, study up on it, and prayerfully consider um, joining in that ministry. We do have a table just outside the double doors in the North Commons that where you can uh, find information about the ministry, but also uh, drop off your boxes. And it's just so neat to think that something so simple as a shoebox or a plastic container of similar size um, can carry something of eternal weight and gold to people all over the world. So just a neat ministry. We encourage you guys to learn more about that through SamaritansPurse.org if you have questions about how to get the box or what kind of stuff to put inside of it. Um, But just a super easy way to fulfill our call to spread the gospel all over the world. So I encourage you guys to um, join in on that ministry. Before we continue singing, if you would please bow your heads with me in a word of prayer. Father, we are so thankful, uh, like the prodigal son, that we have been received, not with indifference, not with neutrality, but we have been received with love and open arms by you, And not because of anything we've done, 
because we know we just deserve judgment and punishment in hell. But you paid the price. You sent your son to die for us so that you could receive us with love. And so we are so thankful that you have called us, that you have made us your children, that you have washed us clean, that you have made us new, and that you continue to work in us, to change us, to be more like your son, and that you celebrate that we have been saved. So, Father, I pray that we would celebrate with you and with the host of heaven this morning as we sing praises to you because of who you are and what you have done. And may you be honored as we worship you through prayer, as we worship you through singing together, and as we worship you sitting under the preaching of the word, and as we continue to worship you through this week as we live lives sold out for you. We ask this in your son's name. Amen. Would you please stand with us as we continue to worship?
is the Lord and greatly to be praised. How great is the Lord our God. How great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And greatly to be
It's wonderful to have the honor to sing that with you guys. Just contemplating God's holiness is amazing. Uh, before we pray, um, those uh, that children that are ages two to kindergarten can head on back for children's church and just kind of go out the back door and follow uh, those that are headed back there, but they can hear the gospel in an age-appropriate way. We'd love to serve you in that way. So let's pray here this morning. Father, we thank you for your wondrous works, your mighty deeds. They are amazing, and they are many. You've created the earth, which is your footstool. You created the heavens, which declare your greatness every night. You've created us to glorify you. Not only did you create us, but you redeemed us. And for this, we praise you in every, every, every day, Lord. Thank you for sending your son for our sins. Thank you, Lord, for our church that we can come together and be encouraged that we can glorify you here this morning. Help us to rely on you and that this week we will look to you and that we will encourage one another to glorify you. Thank you for our government officials that you've given us. No authority is given except from you. You gave them for our good. We thank you for the order that they bring for our nation. Thank you for Amanda King and her heart to serve you. We're thankful that she is able to go to a conference in Peru and be refreshed from that. Let her take what she has learned and what you have encouraged her with, that she will apply that and be a light to Ecuador and Loja area that uh, she can continue to glorify you. Praise your name, make your name great down there, Lord. Encourage her as well. Let others in the church there um, love you and encourage her with that. Help us to remember who you are, that you are unchangeable, that you are gracious. Let us not forget your greatness, your holiness. Give us humility to trust you, that we will not be anxious about tomorrow. You love us more than the birds and the plants, and they're taken care of. Let us remember that and know that uh, you know what's best for us and you have us in your hand. Let us not fear man. Man can only destroy the body. Let us remember that. Let not the cares of this world distract us. Let us put our hope in the next life in heaven and not here on earth. Give us strength. Increase our faith to fear you alone. Forgive us for our transgressions. You know they are many, but Lord, your grace is much more. We are so blessed that your grace overcomes our transgressions. Bring joy in the face of our trials. Bring us confession and humility. Lord, be with us today. Let us always look to you. In Jesus' name, amen. We've said it before, but it always is worthwhile to remind you all that when we sing, we're not just singing to God. But we're actually singing truth to one another, encouraging each other to truth, pointing each other to truth, to the character and promises of God. And this next song is really sweet to sing to one another. Even if your life is full of calm seas right now, that's not the 
way it always is in life, but it is always an encouraging thing to sing about Christ's sure and steady anchor in the midst of storms to remind ourselves that he is the anchor in the midst of trials and how encouraging and instructive it is when there is someone in our life who we know is going through a stormy trial and you see them singing this song and with meaning and belief in their heart, trusting in the Lord. This is an instructive time for us all. So would you please stand as we sing Christ's assurance, steady anchor.
Amen. Hebrews 6.19 says that the character of God is the anchor of our soul, that God is faithful. He always keeps his promises. He refuses to lie. And that gives us such stability and such confidence in the storms of life that God said that we are safe and secure in Jesus. The work of Jesus Christ on the cross and through his resurrection has anchored our hope behind the veil. Oh, what a glorious thing to worship and praise our God together this morning with you. Let's continue our worship now by opening our copy of God's Word to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5, if you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. We have Bibles. We'd love to give you a copy of God's Word. Ephesians 5 verses 15 to 21 will teach us today how to live our lives with wisdom. So while you're preparing to read from Ephesians 5, I want to just briefly highlight an upcoming training conference for us here at Newcastle. I would highly recommend this training conference for every member of our church. Next February, during the week of Valentine's Day, that's how you can remember it, it's the week of Valentine's Day, Pastor Josh Gerber will be taking a group from Newcastle to West Lafayette, Indiana for a week-long biblical counseling training conference. Now, by the way, Pastor Josh and Kelly and their family are moving to Tremont this week, which means next Sunday they'll be with us in the person. It's so excited to have Josh and Kelly coming eventually to be with us. But I just am so excited about this conference. Biblical counseling, by the way, is not just training that's helpful for everybody who's going to be participating in some kind of a formal biblical counseling ministry. Biblical counseling is just applied theology. It's just practical discipleship. It's, it's learning how to take the truths of the gospel and apply them into my own mix of sin and suffering before I'm ever able to then help others with their sin and suffering apply the truth of the gospel there as well. So track one, there's six tracks to this conference, and track one is good for any Christ follower. The first track is just basic Christianity. I highly recommend it. We will actually pay all the conference fees for any of our members who are able to get away and attend this conference because we believe so much. We've had over 100 of our people attend this conference in the last several years. I think I've gone maybe a dozen or more times myself. And I just, I just believe that this would be helpful to all of us. So if you're able to get away for a week, plan now, register before November. If you say, I just can't get away for a week of vacation out of town, totally get it. You can also go to the conference virtually this year. So we're gonna have a virtual option that would allow you to stay home and participate virtually. Not as good as being there in person, of course, but still better than nothing. So learn more online or by calling the church office and take advantage of this church. It's a wonderful training opportunity, definitely worth your time. 
Now today, we're going to turn our attention to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to 21. Last week, we learned how to walk in the light, right? The week before that, we learned how to walk in love or how to walk in purity. So today, verses 15 to 21, call us to walk in wisdom. Walk in wisdom under the control of God's Spirit. So if you're able, I'm going to invite you to stand in honor of the public reading of God's Word. I'm reading from the ESV translation, Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk. He's talking to Christians. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is the reading of God's Word. You may be seated. Let's pray that God would help us and change us through the ministry of the preaching of his word. Father God, you are an amazing God. We love you. We've already sang of your glory. We've sang of your holiness. We've sang of your anchoring. You are a God who is steadfast. You are a rock. You are a strong, high tower. We love you, Lord. There's no God like you. We need you. Without you, we have nothing. But you are a shepherd, and we are your sheep. And when we have you, we lack nothing that we need. Oh God, I'm so thankful that you are with us. Even in this hour, I'm thankful that your spirit is the teacher of the church. I'm thankful that your word is the message of the church. And so Father, I pray that you remove distractions, please. Please, Father, remove distractions from us. Give us ears to hear, ears of faith that we would understand this text, but more than understand it, that we would live it, that we'd apply it, that we'd practice it, that we'd benefit from it. Oh God, please, please help us. This is a convicting text. I'm excited to teach it, but Father, we need your help if we're going to change. So please do the miracle. Do the miracle, Father, by the power of your spirit and make us more like Jesus through the preaching of your word. And together, God's people would say, amen, amen. Well, this morning, I want to introduce you to two different women. Both of these women are very, very influential today. Both of these women have a very large following today. Both of these women are teachers. Are there any educators in the room? Yeah, we got some educators here. So both of these women are teachers. But these two women are very different from each other. The first woman is loud. She is boisterous. She is a smooth talker and she is seductive. She takes whatever she wants. She hides her willful ignorance with brazen sensuality. She talks like a sailor. And she loves the adrenaline rush that comes from pushing the boundaries and celebrating the forbidden. Her name is Lady Folly. And you can read all about her in the first nine chapters of Proverbs. 
The second woman, her name is Lady Wisdom. And you can also learn about her in Proverbs chapters 1 to 9. Lady Wisdom only speaks what is right and what is true. She is a woman of self-control. She's a woman of grace. She offers enduring favor and honor to all of her students. Lady Wisdom fears the Lord, and she loves to teach others about the knowledge of God. These two influential women from Proverbs, Lady Folly and Lady Wisdom, are placed before us today as our Bibles are open to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to 21. Because here, Paul is continuing to urge Christians to practically live as imitators of God, live as beloved children of God rather than the children of disobedience. And the structure of today's passage is very clear. Verses 15 to 18 contain three pairs of a negative and a positive command. And Paul is using these three pairs of commands to describe the careful living of a Christian. A Christian is not unwise, but wise. Not foolish, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Not drunk, but filled with God's Spirit. So if you notice, the unwise, foolish, drunk person matches the description of Lady Folly from Proverbs. And the wise person, the person who understands the will of the Lord and who is controlled by God's Spirit, describes Lady Wisdom from Proverbs. You see, there's only two ways to live in this text today. The way of folly or the way of wisdom. And Paul is calling all Christians to carefully make sure you are walking or living according to the way of wisdom. And then verses 19 to 21 use five ing words. An ing word, the technical word for that is a participle. In case anybody forgot their eighth grade grammar, right? So five I-N-G words, which all describe the results or the consequences of spirit-controlled wisdom. Addressing one another, singing and making melody, giving thanks, submitting to one another. You'll notice, by the way, that singing and making melody, they're connected with an and, and they only have one singular modifying phrase. So they go together. So really these five participles are combined into four phrases, four results to show us the result of Lady Wisdom's teaching. The person who is wise, the person who is understanding God's will, the person who is filled with God's spirit will have a life that is characterized or or known by these four fruits of wisdom. Therefore, the main point of today's message is simply this. Wisdom is careful to live under the control of God's Spirit. Folly only submits to self. 
But wisdom is careful to live under the control of God's spirit at all time. And in this way, the life of wisdom results in greater relationships with God and with others. Wise Christians practically live out their gospel identity in a manner that is worthy or fitting of the gospel as they carefully live each day submitted to the controlling power of God's Spirit in their life. So let's quickly walk through this passage. I want to make sure you understand what it's teaching and you understand Paul's argument. And then at the end of the message, I'm going to give you four practical ways to be controlled by God's Spirit or to be filled with God's Spirit. So first, let's look at verses 15 to 16 where Paul challenges Christians not to be unwise, but instead to be strategic with our time, with your time. Look at the text. He says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most use of the time because the days are evil. So church, if you're gonna live like the person that Jesus has created you to be by his grace, then you can't just coast through life. You'll end up wasting your time. You'll end up wasting your life. You must intentionally pursue wisdom. By the way, what's the difference between wisdom and knowledge? There's a difference, right? Wisdom is knowledge put into practice. Wisdom is knowledge rightly applied. So a smart person or an intelligent person or someone who has a lot of knowledge may actually not be a wise person. A wise person actually lives by what God says is true. Wisdom always makes decisions based on the perspective of eternity, not on the perspective of the here and now. Wisdom makes choices based on what is going to please the Lord, not what is going to please self. So Paul is urging us here, rescue the time, redeem the time, buy back the time, make the most of the opportunities that God gives to us to advance the sake of his name, the fame of his name, in this world. After all, we live in an evil time. This world hates Jesus. We live with all kinds of op opposition to Jesus around us. So Christians, we must have a warfare mentality. Whenever God gives us an opportunity to glorify Christ in this day, we better take it. Now, of course, you could preach an entire sermon on verse 16 all by itself. But just for today, let me just ask you, have you ever thought seriously about how you consciously and intentionally use your time, your short amount of time that God has allotted you on this earth? None of us really know how long that's going to be. Could be 50 years. Could be 90 years. But have you seriously given thought to how am I going to use this appointed time of my life on earth for God's sake? I want to ask you five questions just very briefly. And I want you to think about the 24 hours of every day that God gives you. 
and ask yourself, number one, how do I intentionally use the time that God gives me to better know Him and enjoy Him? How are you using your time, Christian? How are you being wise with your time to know God and to enjoy God? Number two, how do you define productivity? Have you embraced a biblical understanding of productivity? You know, by the way, that a biblical understanding of productivity says that you are productive whenever you are loving God and whenever you are loving others. That's very different than the world's definition of productivity. The world's definition of productivity is getting something done. But remember, church, God always values relationships more than he values accomplishments. So Christians wisely value using their time to love others and to love God more than just getting things done. Do you have a gospel-centered perspective of productivity? Number three, how much time do you spend on a typical day on your device or on your phone or on the TV mindlessly consuming media or games? See, here's the question. Am I controlling my entertainment or is my entertainment controlling me? We want to be wise with our time. Redeem the time, church. Number four, do you humbly prioritize your sleep? Do you prioritize the humility of sleep? Do you have daily and weekly rhythms of productive rest? In your life, oh, be wise, church. Redeem the time with productive, godly, humble rest. And number five, do you fundamentally see time as your own resource to use however you choose? Or do you see time as God's resource for you to steward for his namesake and for the good of others? Oh, church, can you imagine? Can you imagine how God would be glorified if every one of us would wisely make better use of every opportunity that God gives us to love him and to love others? Oh, I was so convicted by this this week as I'm preparing this message. I'm praying like, Lord, please forgive me. Please forgive us for our flippant and selfish use of our time. Awake us from the slumber of selfishness and cause us to embrace our role as children of light and children of love is as Christ's church in this evil day. We are living a war. So many of us forget, and I forget, that we're in a war and we think we're on vacation. We're playing a mindless game. Nothing wrong with games, but there is something wrong with wasting our lives that God has given us for his glory. Therefore, verse 17 says, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Translation, do not be foolish, but instead live submitted to God's priorities. This basically restates verses 15 to 16 that says, since you are living in an evil world that's constantly bombarding you with all kinds of messages of self-love and, and false promises of happiness that are to be found in this world, oh, don't be foolish, Christian. Don't be spiritually dull. Don't be spiritually unperceptive. Align your life, submit your life to God's will. Come awake from the darkness of selfishness 
and perceive how God is working in our time for his glory. If you can advance the slide for us, please, that'd be helpful. There we go. Not foolish, but instead live submitted to God's priorities. See, what God's teaching us here is to make your practice to see the opportunities that God has given you every day at your workplace, at your school, in the marketplace, in your home, in your neighborhood, to make the most of every opportunity to proclaim God's goodness, to tell others how good God is, and to share your, the sufficiency of Christ for you. Oh, understand what the will of the Lord is. Get on board with what God is doing around you. Submit yourself to God's priorities rather than your own. Now we need to pull over the bus for a quick pit stop. Because whenever the scripture talks about knowing God's will, we need to stress that we're talking about knowing God's word, knowing scripture. After all, God reveals his will to his children through his spirit, the spirit of truth. And that's our helper. And Christians, since we have the Holy Spirit, Christians no longer need mystical experiences or supernatural visions or some type of unexpected coincidences in order for us to discern God's will. No, the Spirit reveals God's word to our hearts. The Spirit, according to John 16, refuses to say anything different than the word of God. So the Spirit comes and speaks the Word of God to the hearts of God's people so that God's children know God's will through God's Word. And God's Word is fully sufficient to reveal to God's people everything we need to know in order how to live in a way that's pleasing to Him. So really, if you look at chapter 5 of Ephesians, verse 17 is really parallel to verse 10 up above. God's will represents whatever is pleasing to God. And the Holy Spirit is the one who teaches Christians from God's word what is pleasing to the Lord. Remember, Paul here is urging Christians to live a life of wisdom, spiritual wisdom. So spiritual wisdom perceives what God's spirit is doing in the world around us. It perceives and sees what God's kingdom, how God's kingdom is advancing in this age, and it submits to it. Fools are blind to what God is doing in the world, but wise Christians have spiritual sight. Wise Christians have spiritual perception because they're meditating continually on the word of Christ. And meditating on God's word gives them wisdom so that we can perceive and submit to what God is doing in our time and in our day. Next, verse 18 offers the final contrasting pair of commands. By urging us, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. This means wise walking requires not getting drunk, but being controlled by the Spirit. Now, when I was studying this, I was kind of surprised to see Paul call out drunkenness here. In view of the context, I would have expected Paul to say something like, uh, do not commit sexual immorality or, or do not commit adult uh, idolatry or covetousness. So why does, why does Paul call out drunkenness? 
Why does he say that drunkenness is the defining characteristic of the foolish life? Well, think about this. Back in chapter 4, verses 17 to 19, we learned how sin so corrupts the human mind that our minds no longer work right under the power of sin. Remember that? So, so once sin corrupts our minds, our minds no longer pursue happiness in knowing Jesus and enjoying Jesus. Once sin hardens the mind to God and sin uh, creates this unsatisfiable appetite for happiness in the world, the mind is always going to pursue happiness from the world, no, no longer from God. So think about this. A sinful mind pursues happiness in the world. Why do people get drunk? Most often because they're pursuing happiness, right? They just want to have fun. Or they want to escape from the pressures or the problems of life. But listen, to pursue happiness apart from Jesus is the meaning of sensuality. Drunkenness is the epitome of foolishness because it's the essence of sensuality. Drunkenness always begins as the pursuit of happiness apart from Jesus. But drunkenness can never deliver on its promise to make you happy. Instead, the drunk will always be foolishly deceived while their earthly cares are multiplied and their soul is destroyed by the slavery to alcohol and their ever-diminishing returns. See, God's children, listen church, God's children must never be under the blinding control of alcohol or any other mind-altering drug. Because those things promise to make us happy in the world. But according to verse 18, they're simply debauchery. Every pursuit of happiness apart from Jesus is sensuality. It only leads to the unfruitful and greedy works of darkness that are listed in verses 3 to 6 of chapter 5. Instead, God's children are to be continually in the habit of being filled by the Spirit. This is the essence of wisdom. You say, what does it mean to be wise? It means to be controlled by the Spirit of Christ. Now, when you see that word filled in verse 18, I don't want you to think about, uh, you know, filling something up. Like, Like I go to the gas station and I fill up my tank in my car with gas That's actually not what's meant by the word filled here, okay? When you see the word filled in verse 18, it means total control. Like a hand fills a glove. Once a hand fills a glove, that glove is under the total control of the hand. The the glove is under the total control of the hand that fills it. So being filled by the Holy Spirit means that I'm willfully submitting my life to the control of God's Spirit through me. Wisdom is the careful pursuit of living under the control of God's Spirit. 
So don't get confused. Being filled by the Spirit is not the same as being baptized by the Spirit. It's not the same as being indwelt by the Spirit. It's not the same as being sealed by the Spirit. To be indwelt or baptized or sealed by the Spirit, those are all three experiences with the Holy Spirit that are a once-for-all moment in time that happen at the moment of salvation for every Christian. Being filled with the Spirit or living under His control is more like what Paul was talking about in Galatians chapter 5 or in Romans chapter 8 when he says, walk by the Spirit. To be filled with the Spirit means that the Holy Spirit is now enabling me to obey Christ. The Holy Spirit is now directing me like the, like the wind fills the sails of a sailboat and moves us in a certain direction. The Holy Spirit is controlling our minds. And once the Holy Spirit takes control of my mind, now I wisely seek happiness in knowing Christ. Now I have a clear vision of what God is doing around me in the world for his glory. So don't miss this. Every true believer is indwelt with the Holy Spirit at the very moment of salvation. But then that believer has a choice. Now that I've been indwelt by the Spirit, am I going to submit to the Spirit's control or am I going to live under the control of my own selfish desires? Am I going to submit to God's spirit or am I going to submit to the world today in my pursuit of happiness? See, Paul is teaching here that wisdom is careful to willfully live under the control of God's spirit. After all, the results of being spirit-controlled are lasting happiness and joy. <laughs> four different results are being controlled. Uh, four different results of being controlled by God's Spirit are mentioned in verses 19 to 21. And I want you to notice as we go to these results, all these results, all these consequences are relational. God's Spirit always works to bring the believer into a better relationship with God and a better relationship with others. So if you notice these four results, these four phrases that all start with ing the first and the fourth result are horizontal they're towards one another and the second and the third are vertical they're towards the lord and they're towards god our father so the first result of wise walking or living under the control of god's spirit is speaking or you might say the worship of joyful lips it says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now, this is kind of confusing, right? Because it's, it's, he uses the word addressing, which is a speaking word. It's not a singing word, but it's connected with these song words. It's like, why is he talking about talking when he says psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs? Well, the word means communicating. It means speaking. The parallel passage in Colossians 3.16 uses the word teaching and admonishing one another. So why is he connecting speaking with music words, with songs? Well, perhaps it's because, and I love this, this is so special. Perhaps it's because the spirit-controlled speech between Christians seeks a language and a vocabulary that is able to express the emotion of intimacy and love. You see, that's what songs and poetry do. 
Songs and poetry are the language of love and intimacy. Songs and poetry are the language of longing and worship. The songs and poetry are the language of praise and joy. When your family asks you to pick up something at the store, they don't sing that to you. Please get a gallon of milk. You know, they don't do that. Just get a gallon of milk. We sing and we, we write poetry to talk about the, to express the affections of the most treasured and the most loved and the most intimate and the most delightful aspects of our worship. So the first consequence of giving the Holy Spirit control over your life is joyful lips, lips that overflow with emotion, trying to tell others how much you love God and how much God loves you. You use all kinds of different music, all kinds of different poetry to express your joy in Christ. Oh, wise lips are so different, so different from the foolish lips that we saw back in verse 4. The second result of a spirit-controlled life is singing and making music or the worship of joyful hearts. This is obviously like the first result, except here the audience is the Lord. It's not other people. And it's the expression of our hearts, not our lips. The two words are interesting. Singing refers to vocal expressions of music. Making melody actually translates the word psalming. Psalming, which is not a word that we're used to using. So it actually refers most often to instrumental music. So you have the vocal expression and the instrumental expression of music in your heart. When you become born again, when you, be, when you are under the control of God's Spirit in your daily life, after you're born again, now you say, okay, am I going to submit to the Spirit's control? When I submit to the Spirit's control, God's Spirit puts a song. He puts music in your heart, the music of joyful worship. God's Spirit knows He governs our hearts. So while others may only hear our lips, God himself hears our hearts. And oh, how joyful is the music that flows out of Lady Wisdom's heart. It's so different, so different than the, what comes out of the heart of Lady Folly. The destructive, loud, reveling, and partying of Lady Folly. Then in verse 20, the third result of being filled by God's Spirit is giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is the radical, spirit-controlled worship of humble faith. I want you to consider every word and ponder it in verse 20. Because thanksgiving is the opposite of sin. Thanksgiving is the essence of humility. Thanksgiving is faith's expression of worship and praise. So whenever Christians wisely give the Holy Spirit control of our hearts and minds, we will thank God always and for everything. This is radical. He doesn't say thank God in everything like he does elsewhere in Scripture. He says thank God for everything. Just like Joseph did in Genesis. You say, how can I thank God for suffering? How can I thank God for the hard things? How can I thank God for the oppression and the injustice. How can I thank God for that? Well, listen, wisdom is not so short-sighted. Wisdom is not so foolish to think that happiness can be found in this world. 
According to verse 17, wisdom understands God's priorities for my life. Wisdom understands that even horrific suffering here in this world is connected to an eternal weight of glory that's far beyond all comparison for all of eternity. The spirit-controlled heart loves God and trusts God. And whether God gives or whether God takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord because the spirit-controlled heart is trusting that God is good and God is sovereign and God is able to be trusted even through my pain. See, the spirit-controlled heart loves God and trusts God with humble faith regardless of whatever may pass in the moment. Thanks God because he knows that the pressure of this moment is connected to glory for all of eternity. Lady wisdom is so different than lady folly. Oh, lady folly is controlled by ingratitude and unbelief and covetousness. Friends, church, loved ones. If you could see a printout of all the things you've prayed this last week to God, and you could review and evaluate just, just, your, just your, your conversation with your heavenly father. Just, just like look through what you and God talked about. And would, would you say, boy, I, I've been talking, would, would my conversation with God be more consistent with whining or worship? Grumbling or gratitude? Like, like a spirit-filled faith or a flesh filled fear. Oh, God's spirit will change your perspective if you just surrender to his control today. Finally, wisdom that is careful to live under the control of God's spirit uh, will result in submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is the worship of loving relationships with other Christians. It's worship because notice it's out of reverence for Christ. That word reverence is, is literally the word fear and, and respect is too weak of a word for the translation and terror is too strong of a word and so the word is translated reverence. After all, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So when God's spirit controls your life, not only do you have the fear of the Lord, but you have relationships marked by love and humility and mutual submission with others. All the individualism, all the self-loving independence of folly is now replaced by wisdom and you will experience true happiness and lasting joy with others. These are the biblical results of being filled or controlled by the Spirit. Spiritual wisdom joyfully transforms our relationships with God and with others, enabling a spiritual worship of praise, affection, humility, and love. So for these reasons, wisdom is careful to live under the control of God's Spirit. Wise Christians will take great care and be very intentional in their day-to-day, moment-by-moment living to continually keep being filled by God's Spirit. Therefore, today's application is obvious. Since life is short, keep walking by the Spirit, Christian. In this evil age, make it your habit to keep being filled by God's Spirit in every moment of every day. 
But this now raises an important question, right? Because Ephesians 5, 15 to 21 make a strong argument for why every Christian should wisely continue to be filled by God's Spirit. But this passage hasn't yet told us how. How does a Christian truly give the Holy Spirit functional control of your mind and your living on a Tuesday afternoon or on a Saturday morning? How do we practically become filled or controlled by God's Spirit? So I want to briefly teach you four practical ways to keep being filled by God's Spirit so that you all might live as a child of wisdom. The first way to be controlled by God's Spirit is to meditate. It's to meditate. Meaning, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Oh, this is so good. (laughs) I get kind of excited about this, but this is good. This comes from Colossians 3.16, which is the parallel passage to our text in Ephesians 5. In fact, if you compare, this is a great study sometime. If you compare Paul's letter to the Colossians, and Paul's letter to the Ephesians. You women who are in ladies' Bible study, you know this. They are very similar. And by the time you get to Colossians chapter 3, Colossians chapter 3 and Ephesians 4 and 5 are like layered on top of each other. They both talk about putting off and putting on. They both talk about the dangers of sexual sin and covetousness. They both talk about the power of thanksgiving. They both talk about God's design for relationships for wives and husbands and children and masters and slaves, all in the exact same order. It's like they are following and tracking exactly along the same line. But there's one major difference, and that is, In Ephesians, it says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. But in Colossians 3.16, it says it differently. In Colossians 3.16, instead of saying, be filled with the Spirit, Paul says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And this is profound because I think they mean the same thing. Since the Spirit of truth was sent to help Christians know and understand God's word. The first practical way to give the Holy Spirit control of your life is to saturate your mind with God's truth, with God's word. Let God's word be at home in your hearts. Meditate upon God's word, memorize God's word, read God's word over and over and over. Cherish God's word. For when your mind is filled with God's word, the spirit takes control of your life. Second, you give the spirit control of your life whenever you believe. Whenever you trust the power of Christ for your future hope, for these next three Uh, practical ways to know how to be filled or controlled by the Spirit. I just looked at the rest of Ephesians and saw how Paul used this same word filled in the other parts of Ephesians. And that's where these other three came from. Second, you must believe. You must trust the power of Jesus for your future hope. Sinner, I want to talk to you today. If you're not a Christian, please let me talk to you. Please. Trust in Jesus today. Don't leave this sermon only to continue living as a short-sighted spiritual fool. Repent of your sins. Repent of your ingratitude. Believe in Jesus. Jesus came and died on the cross and he rose from the grave three days later so that Jesus would become your wisdom. 
Jesus would become your righteousness. Jesus would become your sanctification and your redemption. Oh, I love how Paul prays this in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 to 23. He prays for the Christians. He says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom. So only God's spirit will make you wise. Verse 18. Why does Paul want us to have the spirit of wisdom? So that, verse 18, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. Paul wants us to know something. He wants us to have certainty about our eternal future hope. He wants us to know the riches of our glorious inheritance in the saints. What is the immeasurable greatness of God's power towards us to believe? God's spirit of wisdom causes us to believe in God's power. The greatness of his power that's towards us who believe. According to the working of his great might, which he worked in Christ when he raised him up from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. Oh, church, I get excited about this too. You must believe, you must believe that Jesus has resurrection power. You must believe that Jesus has right hand ascension power. You must believe that Jesus has reconciling power to make all the wrong things in this world right for all of eternity. It is only your faith in God's power to ultimately control all things forever. It is your faith in Jesus who says, the fullness of him who fills all in all. It's your faith that Jesus will fill or control all things someday and make all the wrongs right. It is that faith that fuels your submission to the Spirit today. Third, Ephesians chapter 3 verses 14 to 19, urges us to enjoy Jesus. Oh, how, 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 do I, how am I controlled by God's Spirit? How am I filled by the Spirit on a daily basis, on a moment-by-moment basis? Like, I, I want to enjoy Jesus. I want to satisfy my desires with the fullness of Christ. After all, the Holy Spirit controls us only once we are filled with the fullness of God Himself. Look at Ephesians 3, 16. May God grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So God's spirit's doing something inside of us, right? What is God's spirit doing inside of us? He's causing us to understand how Christ might dwell in our hearts through faith so that we would be rooted and grounded in love and we'd have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ. You see, God's spirit is put into believers so that Christ himself would dwell in us and we'd be able to know how much God loves us. We'd be able to know the love of Christ that is incomprehensible. It's the, it surpasses knowledge. So that we might what? Be filled with what? all the fullness of God himself. Oh, this is wonderful. God's spirit works in our inner being so that we could better enjoy God's incomprehensible love for us. For when we truly delight in God and we know that God loves a sinner like me, then we are controlled or filled with all the fullness of God himself. So what can a Christian do to be filled with the Holy Spirit? On a daily basis. First, meditate on God's word. Second, believe the power of Jesus for your future. Third, enjoy the fullness of Christ's love for you. And fourth, our text today would say by worship. Worship by outwardly communicating your submission to God. For these joyful results of God's 
spirits controlled in our life are also encouraging more of God's control in our life. So they're both results and fuel for God's control. So free your lips and your heart to sing. Practice the purifying power of gratitude. Live as a servant of all and seek to build up the body of Christ with his love. And in this way, you will not waste your life with folly, but you will walk as a child of wisdom who is controlled by God's spirit. Let's pray. So Father, we, we pray that you would help us to submit, to submit our lives to your daily, hourly control. That your spirit, O oh Lord, would take control of our lips and our hearts and our prayers and our relationship with others. That your spirit, O oh Lord, would rule and reign like king in our lives. Forgive us, Father, for where we have pursued happiness in this world rather than from you. Forgive us, Father, where we have flitted away our time with trivial selfishness and we have not taken advantage of the opportunities that you have given to us for your namesake in this short life that you've entrusted to us. So, Father, please forgive us where we have despised your ways, whined and grumbled more than worshiped and give thanks. Oh, Father, please, may we be a people. Please, would you do this by the power of your spirit? Not because we deserve it, but because your word says it and we believe it. Would you please, Father, control us by the power of your spirit in our daily lives that we might be full of joy. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. As Pastor Kevin was saying, that the, the fight to be controlled by the Spirit is really a, a battle of unbelief at times. Uh, it's a battle to believe that Christ is the one who satisfies us versus the things of the world. And that's kind of the, the wrestlings that we always have to choose which we're going to believe, the lies of the world or the truth of Scripture. And this song that we're about to sing reminds us that it is Christ alone who satisfies, but when we make the mistake, when we struggle to believe the lies of the world instead, we can always turn to Jesus who is strong and kind. And not only can we turn to him, even in our weakest moments, he'll actually come to us. So do please stand and sing with us.
can always run to Jesus. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter what's in your past, doesn't matter what other people have said to you, doesn't matter how the church has failed you, or you've been disappointed, you can always run to Jesus. You can always run to Jesus because Jesus is kind and Jesus is strong. Jesus will forgive all of your sins. He's a God of mercy. And he will purify you and give you grace so that you can actually become righteous and start to love and fulfill his law. He's an amazing, amazing savior. Will you believe in him? Please, I, in a group this size, somebody here is not going to heaven when you die. I don't know who you are, but please, today's a day of salvation. Jesus is strong, and he is kind. Come to Jesus. Repent of your sins. Believe on Jesus. Come and tell somebody, tell another Christian somewhere that God's doing a work in my life, and I want to give the Holy Spirit full control in my life. Oh, we will pray for you. We will cheerlead for you. We will be an encouragement to you, however we can be, so that you can be full of joy and know the glory of God. Oh, I pray that today would be a day of salvation for you. Let's pray our benediction. We have a week of worship. We have an amazing opportunity to church this week. God is gonna bring each of us opportunities in our lives to glorify him. We don't even know what some of those might be yet. But let's pray this benediction out as we go into our week of worship and our week of witness, and let's see what God's spirit will do in his church when this church gives him full control this week, okay? Let's pray it together. Ephesians 3, 20 to 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And all those who are submitted to the Spirit's control would say, amen. You are dismissed.